one call became two, became four, became eight. And I said, oh, this is a trend, right? And I start asking my friend, like, I probably need to see your dad again. <laughs> and he's like, what for? I said, like, people are calling me to fix it, to service it, though, because it used to be an hour, a liter. Now an hour is probably giving an ounce. <laughs> so it was getting really bad until they start calling my dad. Ah, so when they call my dad, my face turned white. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. To reduce risk in your life, go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now, today, and take the risk reduction assessment I've created from the lessons I've learned from all my guests. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy, and I'm here with featured guest, James Fu. James, are you ready to join the mission? <laughs> I love the way you sound. <laughs> it's almost like a midnight DJ, but yes, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's, we've been talking offline, and I haven't brought out my midnight DJ voice, so here it is. When I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, we used to listen to a guy that came in on at midnight named the BLF Bash. <laughs> okay. So maybe that's where I learned it. Let me introduce you to the audience. James Fu is seasoned by nearly three decades of hard knocks and life-worthy experiences. James offers a unique view of life and entrepreneurship with valuable insights and advice from a panoramic view of things that can save you time and help your company grow. Many give him the nickname Business MacGyver. He brings the know-how of a CEO entrepreneur who has been there, done that, and still doing that to help growth-oriented entrepreneurs meet real-world and marketplace challenges to take their company to the next level. James is also an invaluable connector who matches people with opportunities and connections to make things happen. And one last thing, ladies and gentlemen, James has founded 80-plus companies in three countries across 15 group industries. My goodness, James, take a minute and tell us about the value you bring to the world. So, Andrew, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's not just an exciting time. I have so many friends who've been on it and say like, hey, James, why is Andrew not interviewing you? And I go like, I don't know, you know, maybe he has high criteria. And I'm just get like, you know, we reached out and we connected and he said, hey, James, are you interested to, you know, come on the show and uh, to be the 500, to be on the show on the 500? I said like, wow, it's an honor. It's a privilege. So a big thank you so much for doing what you do. It's not easy. I wish I had a show like this. I could actually go to uh, check out when I was younger days. Now, like 10 years ago, if I could do this, I could save a lot of money, a lot of pain, a lot of heartache. Like just by watching probably just one or two, you know, not like all 500, but one or two, like, oh my God, just looking at how you actually take the excerpts up and putting on a, a little coat. I love coats and mm. I like, I mean, it's dangerous to read coats, but I found like, wow, it's so profound. And I just want to say a big thank you for that. So uh, yeah, thank you to having me on the show. And I want to say that it has been a roller coaster ride. Mm. How I started about a quick one was the fact that uh, I had a dream to be like filthy, filthy rich. Why? Because I didn't know what was better than that. We come from very humble beginnings. My dad literally was uh, the story you hear that, you know, that his father actually swam down from another foreign place. So yeah, 
my dad actually was one of those stories where he landed in the north of Malaysia, somewhere a small part of the world, and in Penang where he started, right? And uh, blink of an eye, he said that is not the life he wanted. At the age of eight, where his mother passed away, he said, I, I got to find a better place. So at that time, he came to KL, Kuala Lumpur, and that was like the USA, right? The land of dreams, right? The land of hopes. And uh, sleeping really down someone's staircase, literally was paying someone to let him sleep on the staircase under a sink. And he was saying like, uh, this is not the way it should be. You know what? I, I really want a better life for myself. So he decided that I should do something better, right? And he went to, if you've been to Malaysia, in those times where those pole lampposts, you actually put a little sign there and that sign says, repair whatever, refrigerator, refrig- or repair something, right? And guess what? So he did his first, he saw a lot of signs on, on those poles and he said, ah, this is interesting. Why don't I try that? I'm, I, I know I have a few skills that I could do. He literally put up a sign on the pole and when he came down the pole, literally, he was beaten up. And he was like, what, what's happening, right? So, no, this pole, this zone is by this so-and-so triad mafia boss, whatnot, right? So long story short, the reason why he was doing this, he was actually trying to just make a living, just trying to make a living. And uh, when he got married to my mother, my mother was actually the, the PA to one of the richest men in Malaysia at that time. And, and he always wondered, why would my mother see it? What would my mother see in him, right? He's not the rich man. He's, he's just some average Joe in, in this broken down scooter. And she said that you're the man that I feel that is the future. And although at that time, the boss was going after her in Rolls Royce and giving her gifts and showering her with lots of beautiful things. She said, no, I want a man that is responsible. I want a man that I can count on in the good old days. And uh, flash forward, I was born. Unfortunately, when I was born, my mother had PNS, postnatal syndrome, similar to PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And my, my dad didn't know what to do, right? And whatever he could do was, he was actually just saying, uh, earning to pay medical bills. Right. And I blame myself for many years, many, many years of saying that I was one that caused my mother to have her sickness. Right. And I said, like, you know what, this, this is something that I need to fix. And all I knew growing up that I needed to be rich. I didn't know how. I wish I had a podcast I go to. I could check out Andrew if I knew probably earlier, but I didn't know how. Right. And uh, that dream was at the age of 21. It was supposed to be the, the, the dream that I could be rich, but I didn't know how. And uh, basically at 21, where they call the independence, you know, where you in Asia, it's the, the independence at 21. So I ran out. Instead of buying a book about making money, I, and I was telling myself like, you know what? At 21, you know, I've broken the puberty and I'm, I'm, I'm an adult right now. I would buy something more exciting. Let me buy a book that is probably uh, more illicit, if you will, right? So I was going for Playboy magazines. I was going for something else. I was just distracted, right? And I was brushing through myself and I saw this book called Losing my virginity. I'm like, oh, this is the book at 21, right? I mean, that, what, what title could you want to be? I rushed it up. It was, it was nicely foiled. Uh, a cup, what, what do you call it? Package. Uh, shrink wrap, shrink wrap, right? Yeah, shrink wrap, yep. So I thought there was a, a lots of pictures and a lot of Kama Sutra stuff, you know, because at a time, at my age, right, the internet was dial up. You know, when you press the sound, it goes, dee, 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 that, that sound, that, that, that. And, you know, it's just ridiculous, right? So I got the book, I rushed home. And I flipped through page by page. I was reading. I thought it was a Mills and Boone book. I was told, this is the book. Like, like the holy. And damn it. I was saying, I'm mean, sorry, I can't help I can say that. And like, where's the pictures? Where, where, where are the, the details? You know, nothing, nothing. And uh, that book was by Richard Branson, 
right? And, and that story inspired me to like, mm. wow, how could someone with dyslexia going through so much challenges, 400 companies. And I told myself, hey, if he had 400 companies, I'm young, I'm not, I'm, I'm pretty okay. I probably can do better or the same, at least worst case scenario, right? So that's how I started the journey of 80 companies. Mm. I hope to give not just value, but I want to give back to things that uh, people often overlook. It's the small things. The big things, we can probably see it coming, but the small things are probably the ones that actually make it hurt the worst and the, the most. So yeah, mm. it's probably a long story, but uh, I hope that probably gives some value to your yeah, audience, yeah. Andrew. That's, that's a great background. And I think it's time to get into the big question, which is now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking <laughs> it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstance leading up to it. Then tell us your story. Mm. Wow, there's so many to pick actually, but the worst one, right? The worst, the worst. So I would say if I were to pick one, many of times I think that um, if it happened somewhere like on the probably the eighth company, the nine or 10, or probably the 20th company, I wouldn't feel so bad. But I wouldn't have learned as much. And I would have lost much more. So if I started off in the beginning, I thought like, you know what? What's that one company that could make a difference? Or what's that one business that could make a difference for me? So uh, just reflecting on that, what's the worst investment ever? The first one would be this. At the age 21, similar to about the age of, uh, was close to 2001. That year was the year that my mother passed away. Right? But that year was a year, uh, was the, not just the lowest time, but it was also one of my fondest moments because I also hit my first seven figures. Right? And this business was a, a simple one. One of my good friends, his father was a, an entitled individual. So he was very powerful. And he was bringing a lot of new age machinery equipment into Malaysia. Right? And I saw it on, on a TV and I said, like, you know, if we could bring in some new age technology, we could probably, probably make lots of money. But I was young, I was naive. I was seriously green. And I told my friend, like, hey, I got to meet your dad. You know, I, I've heard he's doing great things. I'm seeing on the news. You know what? Uh, could you make an intro? You're like, um, my dad only meets with, you know, like he's really busy. I hardly see him, you know. But, uh, you know, if you really want, I could try. And I could talk to my mom and probably, yeah. And I said, I, I got to meet him. I, I don't know how, but I know this is it, right? And I saw he brought in this new equipment. This equipment was actually what we call a, a water air generator. I'm not sure you heard about it. Hmm. So it, it's a machine basically they use in the Iraq war, right? Where the soldiers need to drink water, but they can't be air dropping the waters in the desert, right? Literally. So what happened was there's this huge, like a, a tanker. And that tanker actually is runs on petrol or diesel, right? Then it actually generates, uh, it converts the air moisture into water. It's almost in one hour, one liter of water you get to drink. So they basically miniaturize it and sold that technology to the air, water dispenser industry, right? And so at that time, it was brand new. My friend's father brought it into Malaysia, right? And I saw it and I was like, oh, this is so cool. It doesn't need any pipe. It doesn't need any system. All you need is just a plug point, electricity point. You plug it in, wait one hour, and water just comes out thin air. I mean, that, that already sounds like unbelievable. Scamish. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wow, that is interesting. So yeah, this is interesting story. So, so Andrew, you know, I was probably impulsive, right? But I did do a little, little background check, little background check, not, not in depth as you, mm -hmm. but I went in and I said, let me, can I see the machine that actually generates water, right? And they did. I sat down there for literally an hour and okay, 
unplug it, you know, like the, the, what I thought that was called research, right? And, and I'd say like, that's it, you know? So I actually waited. I waited an entire day until this man came out and like, who's the young boy sitting there? He asked uh, his PA, right? And it's like, oh, this is your son's friend. And he wants to see you for a long time. And he go like, hey, young man, uncle is very busy. Uh, what, what is it you want to see me about? I said, uncle, I have a proposition for you, you know, and I believe I can help you make lots of money. And he was, he was like literally rolling on the floor, you know, and like, <laughs> uh, okay, okay, uh, uncle, hear you. What, what, what can I do for you? Happened to be his, his son came in and, you know, his, he was trying to talk over me, like trying to teach his son a thing or two, but he was like literally shouting at me, like, you know, so when you're doing business, you need to do this. And like, uncle, I'm right beside you, you know, and he was like trying to tell his son. I didn't get it for many years later, but you know, I didn't realize then it was like, why is this like he's like in my face, like he's showering his blessings of love, right? Long story short, he gave me the opportunity and I just went door to door, literally knocked on the door, like, hey Andrew, I got this cool machine. Would you like to do it? It's, you know, energy saving, yada yada yada. And friends, families, I won't say fools, but I would say uh really, really good relatives just like supported me on the journey, you know, and I saw them the, the, the whole dream, you know, uh, environment friendly and they, they bought, right? And in nine months, in nine months, literally, I hit my first million, literally. And I'm like, oh, this is it. You know, like I can't wait to tell my mom. And uh, the worst nightmare happened on the 10th one. You won't imagine. I was just getting phone calls like, hey, James, do you ever service this machine? I go like, no, it's so high tech. You don't need to service it, right? There's, there's, there's nothing to service, right? Because it just generates water. You know? what, what, what do you need to service? So I was putting a fast one. There's there no FAQ, right? There's no like instruction manual, nothing. And uh, one call became two, became four, became eight. And I said, oh, this is a trend, right? And I start asking my friend, like, I probably need to see your dad again. <laughs> and he's like, what for? I said, like, people are calling me to fix it, to service it, though, because it used to be an hour, a liter. Now an hour is probably giving an ounce. <laughs> so it was getting really bad until they start calling my dad. Uh, so when they call my dad, my face turned white, right? Because my dad came from a background where his father was literally, and uh, he used, his father used to work in the army and he used to be, be uh, alcoholic. But all he came home was, all he knew was he would take out his belt when if it was wrong or misbehave, he would whip him, right? So my dad is like a, is like a general with corporal punishment kind of thing. So I panic like hell, you know? But that day when I saw his face, when he came home, he was not angry. He was really calm, but I sensed disappointment. It was, there's a silent treatment and that's more painful than anything else. Mm. And he told me this, say, my dear son, your father's not fucked. Sorry. It's not filthy rich, okay? But the only thing that kept me to where I am today, to just, you know, to, to build like 20, 25% of, of what, the, what you see in the market right now, where we are right now, is on what I call rice, R-I-C-E, rice, you know? And he said like, you know, in Asia, we love to eat rice. Mm. And he said, this is what I call the rice, you know? And I, if you are eating rice and you don't know the value of rice, you're in trouble. I go like, Huh? What does that mean? It's like, so to me, number one about rice is R for reputation. You can lose your face, you can lose your ego, you can probably lose your loved one or your wife, but you cannot lose your reputation because what you sell today will affect how people think about you down the road. And you have no idea how long you live. Of course, life is short. So the first one is reputation. The next one is 
responsibility. Now, a lot of people are calling me for your problem. Now, are you being responsible? Or are you sweeping it down the drain? Or are you like covering in the carpet, hiding it in the closet? What are you doing? Are you responsible for your actions? And you go like, ah. You know, and they said, I. What is I for me? Is it I is integrity. You may be intelligent. You know what? You may have influence, but you have no integrity. Guess what? You're never going to do it. You're not going to amount to anything in life. Seriously. And the next one he said, another I he said is impact. Whatever you do has an impact, big or small. Like the pandemic hit all of us, right? It's big or small, but it has an impact. And your actions right now has an impact on me. My reputation of doing business, of how I raise my son, my family, you know? And I don't want that in my conscience. And I go like, oh. And you know what? See, it's worse it. than being hit by a belt. Yes, yes. You know, like, I was telling myself right now, hit me with a belt, hit me with a belt. Literally, yeah. like, take it out. No, I'll give you one, you know. And, and you're like, you know what C is? C is stop being so compulsive. Mm. I know you want to be rich. I know you want to be better off. I know you want to be richer than me. I know. But are you conscious in your decision making? Just because you saw something good on TV, and you saw a similar concept in Malaysia, doesn't mean that is the product you can sell. No, no. Have you done the work? Have you done sufficient homework, if you will? The next C is, are you consistent in your message? Are you consistent in your due diligence? Are you consistent in delivering or are you complacent? And I feel right now, my dear son, you are complacent. Mm. You're impulsive. You're irresponsible. And that leads me to the, to the last is E, is you are lacking the experience. This is your first rodeo. You have no idea who this, your, your f- best friend's father is. You have no, you, you didn't even have the courtesy to check with me. Mm. Like, do you know him? What's his background? Is he a, what we call a, a crocodile, you know, a snake, a shark, a bear? Do you even know? You trust everyone in town, but you don't want to just check with me. So you have no experience. And the last one, the E is, not just you lack experience, you have zero exposure. That means you don't have the wealth of knowledge. So all of us, he says, you need experience in life, which is like a doctor who practices just taking care of COVID patients, right? For five years or 10 years, it's experience. Mm. But a doctor who does treat COVID patients for 10 years, but in Different countries in Singapore, in, in, in let's say in Iraq, in, in China. So different countries give a different exposure because of the race, the religion, or the culture, the perspective. So he told me that this is R-I-C-E. You just got to remember this literally, you know, whatever you do. And I go like, yeah, okay. So what do you, should you do now? And literally, I didn't manage to meet the father no matter what I did. I sat there for probably a week. I didn't get to see him. Long and short of it, I had to return the money. Mm. I'm trying not to return it, but I spent a lot of it. You know, in a young age, if you have achieved and you reach a short amount of money, they said, easy come, easy go. Literally, I was spending. I was like, you know what? I was the guy, you know, like, Andrew, you know what? My treat for no reason, you know what? Send you stuff. You, you like this? You know what? I, I think you need a new book. You know, let me send you a book rack. And I was spending like drinking water. And I think that was my worst investment mm. and because of that i realized that that helped me hit my atf number i stopped counting after 80 it was mm. just way too painful but 
if I didn't learn this one lesson, a domino effect, I probably would have stopped that eight. I would have made so much mistakes. And today, I probably won't be on your show. I won't have the opportunity to come to your show and learn from you and to meet someone you know, as great as you. And I've heard so much about you. So, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. Wow. And I hope that helps yeah. you and your listeners. So how would you summarize the lessons? I mean, already we've got the lesson of rice and mm-hmm. that's reputation and responsibility, integrity and impact. That's mm-hmm. compulsive and consistent. And E is experience and exposure. Mm-hmm. In addition to these great words that your father has you know, taught you, what would be your other lessons that you've learned from this experience? I think one thing, one big difference, I would say today, even today, a simple one as last night on a, on a call, where I actually mentor not people on a local level, regional or global level. And I realized there's one thing that we have a miscommunication is the definition, the semantics. So when we say, do you want to uh, build a company that lasts? I'm like, yes, 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 yes. That's great. Now, do you know the difference between growing your company and scaling your company? They go like, yes, 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 yes. And I go like, tell me. And they go like, Just do more of it. I go like, really? Just do more of it? Yeah. So I said, so if you're growing the company, it's incremental. Your digits are probably single digits, maximum double digit growth. But if you are scaling your company, it's exponential. It's three digit, four digit growth in the same amount of time. And they go like, oh, yeah. And I said, like, if you're growing a company, you are the bottleneck. Now, if you are scaling the company, you are no more the artist, the architect. You are a business owner. And if you can't differentiate between growing and scaling a company, guess what? You're probably doing the wrong thing. But just like imagining there are three pedals of the car, you'll be pressing the accelerator, the brake, the clutch, and you're hoping to find something will move this bloody car, you know? And guess what? A lot of people do not know the definitions and then they go and ask for help, right? They seek help by typing in Google or asking their friends or consultants and say, this is my problem, I need to solve. But guess what? They do not know where they really truly are. And so I think defining, even Sales and marketing. I was in actually a high-level network where all of them were actually older than me, 60 to 70 years old. And they were doing a 10 million US above. And I thought like, these are seasoned people. So they invited me in as a keynote speaker. And I said like, do you know the difference between sales and marketing? I mean, these guys are like giants, right? I mean, mm. asking them would be insulting them. And they go like, of course. And I'm like, cool, tell me about it. What, what's the difference? Guess what? They were like, you know, selling is selling something and marketing is marketing. I go like, huh, interesting. So I said, selling is, can you recommend me a friend to buy this car? To referral, right? Majority of people at that level only do referral, right? It's who you know, know what you know. So can you recommend someone to buy a car? And the answer would be a yes, no. It's a yes or no. Can I think of someone who can recommend me buy a car? That's yep. basically it. Yep. That is sales. What's marketing? I said, marketing is, can you recommend me two friends, right, who actually have bought a Toyota? So you probably think of, yeah, can I think of two friends who bought? So you probably go down the rabbit hole and think, you probably has an opportunity. So that is a slight difference there to tell the difference between marketing and sales. So most people can't tell the difference. Everything is sales. Like they said, we are selling right now. I said, no. Right, this is basic living value. We're not selling anything, right? So we leave, how can we give massive value to the audience? And I said, if you don't know the difference, can you imagine what sort of instructions you're giving your leaders of your organizations? Because you say, I want to scale the company. 
and that their people are thinking growth. Mm. I want to do more sales. Actually, what you really need is marketing. And so it's the semantics and understand the definition. Now, mm. is the whole or are the whole organization, whether C-suite, the mid-management and your team align with what you say and do you understand that definition? So I think right. getting that right would be what I call, I learned this from uh, Marshall Turber, who actually learned, who studied under this great person you probably see, heard of uh, is Dr. Edward Deming. So Dr. Edward Deming learned from Marshall Turbo as well. And you probably not heard any of them, but if you heard of Toyota, you probably know a bit about them. Right? Mm. And he, he focused on the 15% rule, literally. So what is that one thing that you focus on that gives that domino effect? Yeah. That's it. Yep. Maybe I'll share some what I took away from your story. Yes, and please. While I'm doing that, I'm going to look for something on that you just made me think about, which I'm going to look for that while I'm doing this. But you just reminded me, and I really want to address my, my thoughts about what you've talked about to the young listeners out there. And that is talking about this idea of reputation. And, you know, I think you've given a great story that helps us understand it. Now, I have, a, I have an acronym or just maybe some letters I tell people is that I, I give a lecture in ethics for CFA, hmm. for finance. Okay. And I've been giving it for years. And it's a lot of technical stuff about things that you need to do, as well as, you know, right and wrong. But the, the thing that I do is I say, I have a little bonus at the end of that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you how to get out of any trouble you get into. Mm, I'm and, excited. <laughs> and then I try to tell the young people that pretty much all the trouble that you get into in your life will be caused by you. We so have accidents, you know, I mean, things happen. And, you know, you may be in trouble, have a hurt leg because somebody hit your motorcycle or your car or whatever. Accidents happen. But generally, most of the problems we face is caused by us. So I tell people that there's four A's. The first one is to be aware of what's happening around you. Be aware of the people and, and, and have your eyes open because you could get caught into something without really even knowing it if you're not aware. The second thing is admit. Once you've done something wrong, admit it. Now, sometimes that may be admitting it to a close friend a family member, you don't have to admit it to the world, but you need first to admit it to yourself. And then, yeah, then comes the third A, and that is apologize. When you've done something wrong, say you're sorry. And in fact, it's just simple. I was wrong. I am sorry. The reaction of the other person is a secondary issue. They mm -hmm. may appreciate it. They may say, F you, you don't know. But you have to go through this step of really admitting that you were wrong. Mm -hmm. And then the, the fourth one is the hardest one. I think, James, you've, you've taught this in what your story is about, and that is amend. And when I say amend, I mean make amends. If you've damaged someone, you've done something wrong, you've caused damage in one way or another, make amends. Now, someone may say, but I don't have enough money to pay back as much as I lost of that person or that I, you know, whatever. And I always say that that cannot be a factor. You must set your goal. Even if you go to a person and you say, look, I lost, I borrowed $10,000 from you and I lost it. And if you go back to them and you say, I'm going to pay you $100 a month mm -hmm. starting this month, $50, and you consistently make that payment, you are on the way to amend. And magical things will happen when you do these four A's. Be aware, admit apologize and amend, but I'd like to highlight that what you did was amend and it's painful and it mm -hmm. lasted. The pain lasted for a while, I believe that, you know, 
you had to deal with the financial impact of that. But in the end, you got yourself out of the trouble and you saved your reputation. That's what I learned. Anything you would add to that? No, I think I love the 4A. I'm probably going to pinch it from you and share it all go. my people and say like, you know what? Andrew shared this with me, you know, online. I, you got to do this, okay? And But you put it so nicely, right? And, and there's like a step-by-step. Step. I think I love it. And I'll probably share it with my team later. Do it. Uh, I think it's, it's so cool. Yeah, I love it. So now, let me ask you, based on what you've learned from, you know, this story and what you've continued to learn throughout your life, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? Mm, one action... <laughs> so many actions. Uh, I would never say one action, actually. Like, there's no one move on the, on the chessboard that literally mm. just makes it all go away. Like, even grandmasters, right? It's like, if I make this move, he will he will lose, right? There's like probably like quintillion things he could do. But if I have a set a, a ball rolling, right? Just to set a domino effect, I think is, we've heard this before, is who you surround yourself with, mm. literally. And I think that really matters. Like, do a little check and tally with yourself. That's the priority. Right now in lockdown, a lot of people like myself are comfortable, but some people are just really complacent and they like enjoy that. You know, we used, got used to the whole uh, work from home and a lot of people do not want to go back to the office, right? So they're actually having that intro where they stay away from people. Believe, so I think right now is we need to connect. And the more you connect, the more you learn with individuals. But right now it's connect to the right individuals because there's just so many so-called gurus out there who claim to know a lot of stuff, to been there, done that. And it's, it's just shocking. We had a chat before the, the, the session. I said like, you know what? Because I've learned from so many gurus, I, I realized that, ouch, if I could actually shortcut that learning curve, it would be less painful for a lot of other people. Mm. So I think people, uh, yeah. So while you were talking there, I went on my computer and found a picture. I'm going to show you a picture of me. I was 20, probably 23 at the time. I had a lot of hair. And I had a mustache and I'm sitting what? next. Yeah. And I'm sitting next to a man and I'm going to show you this one. So for the viewers out there, you can see me sitting next to an older man. And for the listeners out there, I'm displaying a picture of myself sitting next to this older man. The man in this picture is, was 92 years old at the time. And he had just finished teaching a, you know, a seminar about quality. And his name is Dr. W. Edwards Deming. Wow. And that's me studying with him. I had two different opportunities to study with him. And in fact, for those people that don't recognize that, this is a better picture that I'm showing just of Dr. Deming. But as a result of the time that I studied with him, he really impacted my life, changed my life quite considerably. I wrote a book called Transform Your Business with Dr. Deming's 14 Points, and I apply his principles in my life. So I love what you're talking about when you talked about Deming and, you know, what you learned from that. So let me ask you, what is a resource that you would recommend for our listeners? I think right now is to get your book. I'm excited to even get your book, right? So that's the first resource I would go to. Uh, I believe there's so much wisdom in books. Mm. That's a big debate I always get with a lot of friends is, you know what, I just watch YouTube, you know, I just check out TikTok. And they're like, yes, but it's a small perspective. It's not the entire perspective of one individual. So I said, if you really want to gain a perspective, which I think right now, he who or she who has a better perspective actually wins. Right? It's not just about your insights, your influence, intelligence, but if you have a different perspective, the way you see things just changes literally. So finding the right perspective is also 
knowing that you need to consume consciously the right type of information, what information you put in. And I think one of the wealth of wisdoms that I've, I've known, I've, I've learned so far is that uh, from books. Yeah. I've seen lots of books behind you. So yeah. yes, I'm definitely going to get the book that you mentioned just now. So I think that is like, you know what, there is a process to it and make sure you actually read. Because I heard so much stories of big time CEOs reading minimum, minimum 50 books mm. a year. Right. And ask yourself, how many books do you read yeah. a year? It's, I think it's a, a great resource. I'm, I consume books like crazy. I have about 700 books in my library right now, all of which I've basically read. And then I've got thousands of books that I've given, given away or sold. And uh, I started a Best Business Book Club this year. And I've got a group of people where we're reading just one book a month and trying to digest it and implement it. And that's been really interesting. But one of the members said in the last mm-hmm. meeting, we meet every week for an hour. He said, I have to admit, as a young guy, he's a young guy, he says, I've never read a book. So he's read, you know, textbooks and stuff like that and had to go through that to a minimum. But that is, so as a friend of mine said, if we can get just one person listening to this to start reading, mm-hmm. I think your, your advice is fantastic. All right, last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? Number one goal, the big goal that I always want to is I've given so much of myself, I feel, that I've researched my religion and I brought three wonderful kids into this world and my one goal is not just to consolidate my businesses but my ultimate goal is to actually go away. Hopefully by the COVID allows all travel is to be able to go away with one kid a month at one country and we learn so much. So I bring one, my daughter to a country where well, she picks on a map. She goes, let's go there for one month. We stay there for one month and we bond, we learn, we get used to the culture over there. I think that's the best way. So one kid a month. And of course my wife's going to make a lot of noise, right? So I have three kids. So at least three months and then my wife and then all of us go on a vacation. So my ultimate goal would be, can I go away for minimum five months in a year and when I come back, my business is not just surviving, but it's thriving. So that's my ultimate goal for this year. And, and I'm just trying to drive that across at least for as long as I live. What a great, great idea. And for the listeners out there, consider it with your family and friends to spend time abroad. One of my guests who I've recently interviewed, the episode hasn't come out yet. It talked about the research that's shown that when you travel together to foreign countries, it strengthens your relationships. So Fantastic. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. If you haven't yet taken the risk reduction assessment, I challenge you to go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now and start building wealth the easy way by reducing risk. As we conclude, James, I want to thank you again for joining our mission. And on behalf of A. Stotts Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Buy Andrew's book. Hey. <laughs> and listen to everything that James has to say. There's a lot of value there. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our wealth. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is about one guest, one story, one mission to help one million people reduce risk in their lives. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.